Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. This week's report, I'd, I'd like to touch on a topic that I've uh, been getting a lot of questions the last two, even three weeks, and as we start the meeting trail, um, getting a lot of questions there, and that has to do with starter fertilizer. Apparently, there's a lot of uh, newcomers uh, looking at planter fertility. Uh, and got a lot of questions for the first time as far as how they're going to set their planters up, talking about the mixes and the rates, and that also carries over to the existing growers. So a lot of growers, I guess, are thinking about switching things up, looking at different mixes, different rates that they would put together, uh, different placement, you know, whether it's in furrow, furrow jet, 2 by 2 or 2 by 2 by 2 Lots of questions in that area, lots of interest in that area. So to start with, I always say, you know, what is your goal? What, what are you trying to achieve with fertility on the planter? What I find is a grower's perspective on what starter is varies a lot from grower to grower. For some growers, starter is a product with phosphates and maybe some micros. Others, starter is just straight 28 or 32%, with maybe with a little ATZ in it. Um, <clears throat> while other growers, it's biological products. You know, we talk about bugs in the jug or bug food in the jug. And others, it's a mix of all those together. That is what they're thinking about when they talk about starter. Here at CropTech, what we consider starter is a product that has phosphate as its major nutrient. We can put some biologicals on, we can put some nitrogen on with the planter, we can put some sulfur on, but when we're talking about starter fertilizer, we're talking about phosphate. So the products like 10340, 618.6, 722.5, there's just many combinations. Usually there's a zinc source in there when there's a phosphate source in there. You know, and phosphate is our source of energy to drive growth in the very beginning of a corn plant's life. The time of year when your soil is cool and the soil biology is somewhat dormant. Corn can do a lot of growing out there if it can find phosphate, but when we talk about soil biology, meaning the microbes waking up and starting to release nutrients in the soil, that's going to happen somewhere north of 65 degrees. So we have to get the soil warm enough uh, to, get, to get phosphorus to come into solution. But a corn can do a lot of growing from 50 to 65 degree soils if it can find a source of phosphate. And again, phosphate is the energy for growth. The quicker the plant reaches this source, the faster the response. Inferral applications respond the quickest. When we compare inferral at low rates to the two by two at higher rates, the inferral almost always responds first. You can see it visually respond to it, especially if you have a check strip out there like we do in the plots. And it's a little later when the roots finally find the two by two and they kick in. Now in the history of our plots, the two by two usually out yields the inferral. Even though it kicks off later, it tends to catch up. And I believe that's due to the higher rate. That inferral gives us a quick pop, but doesn't have the staying power that the higher rates do in the two by two. Place this planter phosphate where the roots can access it uh, quickly is kind of important. It's one of the four R's, the, the right place. Phosphate doesn't move much when it's applied. 
it needs to be placed where the early root system will actually grow through it, grow through that band of fertilizer. In our plots, phosphate that's dribbled on top of the ground behind the closing wheel has not been very effective. Now it would fare better in a coarser, sandier soil, but even there, it's somewhat limited. Unlike N, which will move with, uh, in the soil with the rains, phosphate just doesn't move that much. Mixing 28% with your phosphate source is becoming more and more popular. This mix cannot be left on top or shallow incorporated. Again, while it works for N, it's just not very effective for the expensive part of your starter, that phosphate. As a grower said the other day, yeah, but Ken, the brace roots, they come from above ground. They'll grow through this phosphate band and then they can pick it up. Yeah, this is true. But by then it's too late to get a good starter response. You know, we've got corn at that point almost head high. You missed your starter response window, that response that sets up a strong stand and keeps you at 16 around instead of 14 or 18 around instead of 16. That first six growth stages of the plant's life. Get a lot of calls on all the different biologicals on the market today. We kind of break them into two classes. Again, bugs in a jug and bug food in a jug. One way you're introducing new biology to the field and our new bugs to the field in the soil and hoping that they will grow in number and help to release nutrients uh, to the plant. And the other way, of course, you're applying bug food in the furrow, such as humates or sugars or carbons, to stimulate the existing bugs and to crank them up and get them to release soil nutrients that are already in your soil. With these products, remember our soil microbes are very temperature sensitive. Adding bug food to a cold soil doesn't warm up the bugs. The soil will need to warm up before the bugs get activated to feed on the bug food that you've left them. You may have to add some phosphate to your bug food to jumpstart the corn growth until the soil warms up enough to uh, let your bug food wake up the herd, I guess you would say. So you may need a, a pass in there where you're going to help this corn keep growing until we finally get the microbes uh, warmed up, alive, and able to feed on the bug food that you put in the furrow. You guys that grow corn on corn know when this is, uh, what we call the carbon penalty. When soil microbes come alive, it's usually north of 65 degrees soil temps, and you can see the power of those microbes when they cause yellow corn out there. They're they're so massive and reproducing in number that they consume all the available nitrogen, phosphorus, and sulfur out there. Anytime we put products in furrow, it comes with some risk. Products containing fertilizer will have some salt content. While we can have lower salt mixes, we don't have any no salt mixes. You know, by using potassium hydroxide or potassium sulfate or taking the potassium all together, out altogether, we can lower the salt index in that fertilizer. But if there's N in the mix, there's some salt in the mix. This can lead to salt burn. We usually see a loss of two to 300 plants with our in-furrow treatments. The drier the planting conditions, the higher the risk. The poorer the seed quality, the higher the risk. If you're planting and you're concerned whether you got enough water to germinate this seed, my advice is always shut the infertile fertilizer off. If you're questioning whether or not we have enough moisture for germination, I would shut your infertiles off. 
Now, last few years, this um, <laughs> this hasn't been the case. We've been dealing with too much water. But in that year when you are, especially in conventional till, there's where you want to take notice because that's where the service calls on burnt corn start to really pop out. Anytime you go in furrow, be sure all the tanks are clean. I mean the tanks on the planter, the tanks hauling it to the storage tank, the tanks hauling it from the storage tank out, the storage tank itself. Everything has to be clean, the no contamination, for instance, with herbicides. I would make sure that you got a different pump to pump the starter. Don't run the starter through the same pump you're running all your other hot mix loads through. When a trace amount of herbicide makes it into the starter tank, believe me, it can wreak havoc and it can be a mess. With caution, to protect the seed integrity, you can use what we call the relay process. Some in furrow, some two by two. A little bit in furrow to pop this corn early and get it uh, putting on bigger and faster crown roots. Put a higher rate in the two by two so you can go the distance. And we're talking again, a higher rate of phosphate. Here you can add some more N if you need it into this mix to help you. So again, going back to our goal, if you want more N to get through the carbon penalty, you can place it about anywhere on the planter. Many guys just dribble it on top. Depending on how it's set up on windy days, this can lead to some uh, product making it to the planter, which some growers don't like. You don't have to worry about incorporating it down to two inches below the soil. You just got to get it protected in the soil, and when it rains, this uh, end will move throughout the profile, and it'll take care of everything you need it to. If you're trying to get corn jacked up while its soil is cold, you're going to need a phosphate in that mix. And now we need to put it where that root system can get to it quick. For you guys planting in the preventive plant acres that were kept clean all year, starter is a good way to get yourself around the fallow syndrome. But it will need to have phosphate in it. Not that we can't put some N on our, our preventive plant acres, but if you're going to look for one area to get around the fallow syndrome, you're going to need phosphorus. So I hope this helps clear up some of the questions that we get on the phosphate. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.